episode 196 good morning good day good day you know you're something else man i gotta tell you let's do it at this time tomorrow morning message you 30 minutes before that time oh i can't do it at that time i'm watching the game Whenever you want, man. You done? Well, what a game last night, that. though. Oh, yeah. What a game. You Which know, game are you talking about? There were a lot of games last night. Yeah. It's only one game that really mattered. <laughs> and that's the Buffalo Sabres walking into Vegas. And uh, I thought you were going to say that Ovi didn't get it done against Detroit, but okay. Yeah, that... Ter- that, that you know, I mean, the Howe brothers uh, were there, there we- at the game supporting, and, uh, you know, it, it wasn't meant to be, but uh, it'll, that'll be coming very soon. It's coming. No question. It's yeah. coming. So there, we talked about the Capitals uh, Red Wings game already. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's the only thing that matters. Right. All right, I'm messing around. All right, you want to talk Sabres. Yeah, I'm a little surprised. I'm not going to lie. I and mean, I don't want to, I, I want to hear more people around the league talking about Tage Thompson. Yeah. Bonafide superstar. I think you I think you need to you know, you need to throw in Tuck and you need to throw in Skinner to the conversation. Okay, I agree with you, but can I just tell you I want to just make one thing clear. And maybe I shouldn't feel this way, but because of because I know the Tuck family, I don't like talking about Alex because then it just looks like I'm, you know, blowing smoke up his ass. And I don't want to do that. He's he earns the praise otherwise. He doesn't need me to praise him. But but that's how I feel. I don't want to I love Alex Tuck. I loved him before he was a Buffalo Saber. I liked him before he was his kid his brother even lived with me. I knew all about him. But all I'm saying is I don't talk about Tuck enough because I know our listeners know that there's an association to the family and it's like, Oh, you just, you just talk about like, so I just try not to do that. Well, if you, if you have, if you stay true to yourself, you shouldn't have to feel that way. Cause I'm going to tell you this. I, I, I highly respect Alex Tuck. I loved him when he was in Vegas. We talked about him before he was a Buffalo Sabre. Okay. But I'm going to tell you this. There were parts in the stretch of the season where Alex Tuck wasn't playing well. And guess what? I'm going to say it when yeah, he doesn't you, you, play well. You mentioned it, and I and I intentionally avoided it. And I'll tell you why. He's one guy I just don't feel like criticizing, if you want me to be completely honest, because I know that it's, right. if he's not I'll playing it well, me, it's then. not coming from lack of effort or lack of style of play or anything. It's it's coming from just a bad stretch where other guys, yeah. They simply just are scared. They won't go certain areas and they don't play hard or they they give up on plays. And Alex doesn't do that. So when there's a bad stretch going for a guy like Alex Tuck, you know it's going to change because he he'll work at getting out of it. Where other guys, you can see their attitudes start to take over and the the pity party and the poor me. And it it's it it's it's obvious in their play. So so I will attack that. I've been there before. Guilty as charged. I mean, I had lots of tough stretches in the NHL. I get it. I I I I get your your maybe uh, more of an uh, emotional attachment to to Tuck and and listen. I mean, for me, it's like I'm not. I don't sit here and and try and degrade uh, these players, even when things are going going 
poorly for them because you know it's happened to me like i've had i've gone through stretches long stretches of not playing my best hockey and when you do play your best hockey you know it and you feel it and you have that confidence and usually when you're playing your best the team seems to be in a in in a good place also and you you look at what's happening right now in order to win games in this league you have to have your top end players playing at a at a top end rate. Okay. I look at Tage Thompson. I look at Jeff Skinner, who has been absolutely on fire the last month. I look at Alex Tuck, who went through a, a small stretch of not playing his best hockey. And when Alex Tuck's not playing his best hockey, either is the team. But I look at this team right now and what they have going for them is they have their their elite players are basically producing each and every night every which night. is allowing them an opportunity to win games that's just flat out like i mean if tage thompson skinner tuck don't produce then this team has a very shallow chance of winning on a consistent basis but but it makes not, everybody else feel better too when those guys are producing there's pressure taken off the it's younger guys I mean, that are on, in the lineup. It is like what everyone's smiling, even when those guys are producing, because that's when things are going well, and things are going well for the Buffalo Sabers right now. Guys like Skinner, there's no discussion right now of Jeff Skinner's salary. Have you heard that he makes nine million dollars? Not at all, because you know what? He's he's still not a nine million dollar player, but my God, he is playing at a much higher rate now. And at least earning every bit of that contract. It's the crazy. As he, as it's the catch can. twenty-two. Is it's it the catch twenty-two with a with a player like him. Really like I've is. probably traded Jeff Skinner away four thousand times. And as of right now, it is extremely difficult to even mention the word trade beside his name. He is he's producing on on more than just point producing levels. I mean, he's playing, he's being put in situations that he's, he's playing, playing with the right players. Come on. Like he's playing with the right players. I don't but think he's, he's playing... ever had two players that he's played with like these two players. Cause listen, Tage can pass. Yeah, he can. Puck can pass. Tage shoots. Skinner gets rebounds. Like it's, it's a, it's a match made in heaven. This line. They I hate all, his salary. I'll always hate his salary. I don't care if he gets 95 points this year. I will hate his salary. Yeah. But I can agree with that. But I am loving what I'm happy for him, though. I mean, we've always said it better to be uh, overpaid than underpaid. And oh, Jeff no Skinner earned that contract and someone paid him. And, you know, he's he's going to be a happy man uh, for the rest of his life. But it's it's uh, some of these contracts are very difficult to live up to. There's many, many, many players in the league that are that are sitting in the same situation. Not only as Jeff Skinner, but right now Jeff Skinner is playing at at an elite rate. Well, each and every night, each and every night. Let's let's talk about something that for me is is a big question mark. And I have a friend here in Buffalo, and. Okay, he's a big Don Granado fan, and he has been for a long time since he first came in. And he's a coach himself. He coaches basketball at Nichols. His name's Matt Bradshaw. And I've sat behind the bench when he coaches, 
and I love the way this guy coaches. He's got some he's got some fragile talent there too mentally where they you know they they can't take a little bit of a, a stern message. verbal lashing not even a verbal lashing just stern message you know expectations things like that like I love the way this guy coaches and I told him that like I've met him and I'm like listen I love the way you coach and he and I start talking about coaches in the NHL what was Lindy like what was this guy like you know yeah and he talks about you and your coaches that you played for and we talk about Don Granado he's like what do you think of meatballs and I have not bought in on Don Granado. Don Granado doesn't owe me shit, okay? He doesn't owe me anything. But to me, he owes me something because things have been so bad here. I just am like, why is this guy the guy? Why is this guy the guy, a rookie coach? Why is he the guy? Tell me why. He doesn't have much of a presence, like in terms of like, you know, like Lindy was big and he had the deep voice and he was like, He's a very, he's just, he seems like a really nice man, you know? And I like yeah. that about him. I like Don Granado. I have met him. Nah, I, think he's, I a, think he's a wolf in sheep's clothing, man. I love I think that. You saying, look by the at way. him and his little kind of John Lennon glasses. Yeah. You know, sometimes they're blue and sometimes yes. they're a different color. And I think you look at him, I think he's got fire. I am a Don Granado supporter i think he has done and i've said this we've argued about this a lot you know and i am a massive supporter of him with what he has done with what he's dealing with don granado is a coach of a of a certain type of team they're insane like he he acquired this team he acquired the team being an assistant coach behind Ralph Kruger that single-handedly was fucking destroying the confidence of so many players on this team. It was off the chart. You have a, you have Jeff Skinner who's playing. I just, I just can't even get this through my mind. I can't stop thinking about Jeff Skinner. I said this and I'm not a, I'm not a massive Jeff Skinner fan. Okay. But I am dumbfounded that that man was playing on a line with Curtis Lazar and who's the other guy that they freaking got rid of who shouldn't even be in the league. Who's that guy? What was his name? Help me out here. I don't, I don't know. They just had him. They just signed him this year and they let him freaking go. Oh, Riley Sheehan. Oh, Riley shitty. He is terrible. Absolutely terrible. Soft as all hell. Oh my God. He was, he not, not a Buffalo Sabre player. Okay. It's in Catherine's voice, so I'm gonna I'm gonna come to his defense and just say, you know what, it didn't work for him. So what? You know what? It for you, it didn't work anywhere in the league. He was just, I mean, this guy is not an NHL hockey player. That's just that's just me. Okay. Okay. He, but he, it is he what played, it is. He played almost 500 games and made millions of dollars. I think he did all right. So yeah. maybe he didn't live up to your expectations. But okay. I lost my train of thought. Oh, you were talking but, about Skinner on a line with Lazar and 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 Sheehan yes, and, and and you know what was he doing? Donnie you're, you're probably gonna shred Ralph Kruger. And and I get that. You get it? I do. Extremely well-spoken guy to the media. But I think he did a horrible job galvanizing the group. Donnie Meatballs, Don Granato, took over this team and had to reshape, refocus these young players, Darlene, Yoki Haru, Middlestat, Thompson. Like there was a ton of players that were not given opportunity. Their confidence was at, at an all-time low. And he came in here 
And I don't know how he did it. I don't know how he did it, but he changed around the second half with all of these young players and gave them opportunity and really, you know, told them, don't worry about the mistakes. The mistakes are going to come because hockey's a game of mistakes, but let's learn from those things and let's gain the confidence. Let's get back to playing what made you great. Okay. Giving Darlene the, just go, go with the puck, do the things that made you a number one overall pick. Don't worry about making mistakes. Don't. And then all of a sudden you move into the next year, Petey. And then you move into the next year, Petey. And you're sitting there. I can't believe that we're still talking about Don Granato. You, you don't think that Don Granato is the guy. No, and I'm I like, I didn't say, I didn't hold on. I didn't, I didn't say that. That's kind of where the conversation was going was that I, I haven't been like, I, I, it's not that I, never so now thought, you've changed is what you're no, saying. I, well, I'm saying that's what or I, you still don't believe in Don Granato. If no, Craig, that's exactly where I'm headed with this. Like that's that goes back to the conversation with that basketball coach and how we were going back and forth and our conversations go all the way back to last season and it go it goes back to me saying he was an inexpensive experiment for the team because I don't believe they did a, a very thorough coaching search or maybe they knew they had the guy or maybe Kevin Adams thought they had the guy already so Maybe they had a specific direction. I I don't know these things. Okay, these are these are things we learn as things play out. Why are we not okay with with people being wrong? Why okay. should I? So why you, should I? I don't. I'm, feel I'm, I'm happy that you're not, saying that you're wrong. I don't feel guilty that I questioned Don Granado because it didn't work with Housley. It didn't work with Kruger. It didn't work with Bilesma. It didn't. So so I guess in my mind, I was expecting a coach that had a uh background and a history in the game that he does have a background okay he does but not as a head coach Craig fine you're you're sitting here and you want to continue to argue against me but what I'm trying to do is is well just spit it out and say it well it's not actually are starting to believe in Don Granado's abilities it's, it's not that easy because when someone like myself has been critical as critical as i have been it doesn't take 10 seconds to go oh, i'm a i'm a darn granado believer now because because that's just like uh, turning on the switch there has to be an explanation if you have patience to listen for someone to be able to articulate and verbalize how uh and why their opinion has changed and that's all i'm trying to do because okay, i ahead. think it's i think it's deserved for don granado but I'm still I still have my reservations. My point is, and I'll speed it up for you, my friend, is this this guy, Matt, he and I golf together, Coletta's thing, and we we've been battling. He's he's battling and he keeps driving it in my head how wrong I am about Granado. Okay. Just keeps driving it in my head. I said I sent him a note back in November when they were in that losing streak. And I said, How are you feeling about meatballs? He goes, Trying to make chicken soup out of chicken shit. Uh, why don't they get him a goaltender that can steal a few games? Right? Then he writes to me last night or this morning at 6.09. Sooner or later, you will see what Meatballs is doing. And I guess in, in reality, he deserves a lot of credit for this. That would have been a little better, but I felt rushed due to your impatience no i i would like to i would like to give you the floor 
I would like for you to express what you're feeling on Don because we've it's 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 been almost it's been almost two years. Don Granado took over two years ago. He took over halfway through a season where there was an insane amount of players that were underachieving, like in the biggest way. And Don Granado took over when the team was more wounded. Remember, they were weren't they on an 18 game losing streak? They fire right. Ralph Kruger, and Don Granado has to take this team over, which is an absolute disgrace, and try and and try and patch things. At least try and patch things together. Okay, you had you had a number one overall pick in Rasmus Dahlin. Okay, he he was playing so poorly at the start of the year that he shouldn't have been an NHL player. And we can all agree on that, right? Yes, we we agreed on that. He was struggling so bad with his confidence, mental, everything that he was playing so poorly. He should have been in the minors. That's how bad it was. Casey Middlestat wasn't even playing. Casey Middlestat was like basically an extra that was not even practicing with the team. Okay. I mean, if you remember Taylor Hall, who was brought in the savior. Okay. And I like that signing. He had two goals in 37 games as a saber, two goals in 37 games. I mean, there were so many Jeff Skinner, like, I mean, Jeff Skinner, like was playing on the fourth line was he was healthy scratched. I, I I mean, there was so much wrong with what Ralph Kruger did to the psyche of these players where Don Granado took over a team and an 18 game losing streak. And almost immediately, almost immediately, you saw changes in Darlene and Yoki Haru in, in, in Casey. Right. And, and that'll happen. That'll happen naturally when you get rid of a coach things are going to change it's going to be clean slate walk in nice message let's have fun season's over let's go out play hard yep. let's have, everyone has something to play for that's right right that's that's going to naturally happen easy that's an easy fix but for it but but to keep it going but to, to repair keep- the confidence levels of these players that were at Probably an all-time low in their is it hockey confidence careers. That they got, or is it belief? Because for some reason, you know, there's a belief going. What's the on. difference between confidence and belief? Well, one leads to the other, and I don't know which one comes first. Exactly. I mean, confidence. I, I, comes I don't. First. Uh, does it? Confidence is the number one thing in the game of hockey because every single one of these guys can skate, shoot, pass. They have incredible hockey IQ. Their tendencies and details to the game is absolutely perfect, and that's why they're all playing in the NHL. Here's the thing. If you don't have a competent hockey player and every single solitary person that's ever played in the NHL has gone through waves of confident play and not confident play. But when you are getting smothered by, by just a negative atmosphere, okay. Which has been following around Buffalo for a decade. Just the way people, just the way people look at you when things aren't going well, and it's not out even outside the rink; it's inside your own locker room. Absolutely, yep. Like I don't think people understand. Like it's not all smiles and shit when things aren't going well. Like you can sense that your teammates are—they know when you're in the doghouse, and they're either empathetic or they're disappointed in you, or because there could be a number of factors that are going into why you're performing, like. 
thinking back to it, it can be, it can be awkward. For, yes. For it, but it, again, it falls to explain. It all falls back on Don Granato and what I've seen. Okay. And you're, listen, I mean, you're the reason why we argued. And it was an awesome argument because I, I agree with where you're coming from and understand it. I just disagree with what you're saying. And I'm, I'm going back to Tage Thompson. You always have a thought of, no, 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 I'm not paying this guy shit until he fully shows me that we can pay him $50 million. And I was like, no, let's get ahead of it. Sometimes you need to gamble on certain players. And Tage Thompson was a guy I needed. I wanted to gamble on. And you're, you just, I, I think we both respect each other's points and I'm not going to throw it in your face. Now that Tage Thompson's blown, like blown the doors off because it, it could have went the other way too. It really could have. So well, I wasn't just, saying I never, you can't do that. Cause I was never saying he's not capable of it. I was just no, saying, no, 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 no. earn it. So there's yes. a big difference. It's well, a huge difference between me saying he's never going to be that great of a player again versus can we just wait and see if he's that player for real, but the point of me wanting to sign sign Tage Thompson early was this exact reason. Could you imagine? Could you Nobody imagine right now? This no one predicted it. Nobody. But it not happens. even Tage Thompson. It happened, Petey. And right now, could you imagine what what contract right now do you believe if Tage Thompson continues? to forge forward throughout a whole 82 games. And let's just say that is his pace of play drops. It has to five points. I mean, he's on pace for what? 120, 30, 120, 30 points, which is absolutely ludicrous. So let's just say that are we do, are we going to do this? Let's let's pretend what would Tage be getting? We've, we've done this a million times, you know, let's just say he had 95 points this year and 45 goals. Can we say that? Let's just say hypothetically that Tage Thompson ended a season with 95 points and 45 goals. Tell me the contract that Tage Thompson's getting. 9.5 at least. 9.5. Like he's going to ask for more than Skinner. Skinner's making nine. What's uh, Rantanen making? And Rantanen's a winger. Yeah. Well, Tage's you know? coming off so, a 38 goal season and a 68 points. And he follows it up with, and, and he's only 24 years old, by the way. He follows it up with a 45 goal season and a 95 points. I was being conservative at nine five. I feel I, like you're going to drive it way up. Are no, gonna- I'm not going to drive it way up. But I, I think that he would. He's probably going to look for ten, uh, maybe even ten and a half. Well, why wouldn't he? If he's producing at a higher right. rate than Jack, That's right? So all like, he I'm saying ask, is he could have asked for 10, 10, 10 million for eight years, hundred percent. So Kevin Adams, Kevin Adams, when he signed this contract obviously felt comfortable and with with signing the contract of a 7.14 million dollar a year you think but he, he walks also, up to tage and is like suck it tage should have waited <laughs> i think tage is looking at him and he wants to strangle strangle with kevin adams <laughs> i i wonder man i like oh, listen i listen tage i mean ends this season with 110 points and he, you see what huberdo signed for you're going to tell me that there's not going to be a little bit of regret a little bit of regret that's uh, easily $27 million left on the table. I think been Kevin Adams right now than. sleeps extremely well. Yeah, I bet. In his cozy bed with 
with Tage Thompson passing the puck and saucering it back and forth between Matias Samuelson and Tage. Just Slamming looking at a breaks, six foot five back, and a six patience, foot seven guy. Patience, snapping at top corner last night. I mean, it's they're they're all different kinds of goals. They're all yeah. different kinds of goals. It, I, it, he scores in every different way. Let me his, let me ask his you own this. shot from from five feet inside the blue line, one timer from halfway down or by the fucking goal line, completely yeah. stick handling around four players, you know, three feet from the net. I mean, he this guy scores every which way, top corner, bottom corner, yep. you know. Can five I ask hole. you a question it's, though? It's incredible. What do you do? You feel that Don Granado has any onus in 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 Tage Thompson? where he is right now what do you or mean? is it not coaching um but, but is this an attack are you attacking me right now uh i'm not attacking you sounds like i'm just trying to, to sounds like you're, i'm trying you're setting to sell me up you to, to, to answer a question that you agree with to be like okay so then what like okay i get that oh, i'm asking you do yeah you i would think ha- that i would have to say, has i think a lot honest. has to, i think jack leaving has a lot to do with it like okay. we can we can give Don Granado all the kudos that you want, but Jack leaving yeah. has a massive effect on this. Casey Middlestad's injury has a massive effect on this. Yes. Like stars align. Don for Granado. This. Let's not go and just say Don Granado. We all knew has, this was gonna happen. And no, 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 and no, 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 no. No, like it it Don Granado had a massive piece to this because Don Granado did something that everybody, everybody in Saberland went, what the f- you put him at center here. Let's just try this. We're just going to try this out. You know, I, I, I think Tate, we don't really have centers right now. Casey Middlestat's hurt. Okay. We don't really have centers. We have Dylan cousins who Dylan cousins at the time, they were talking about putting him on right wing because you know, he was younger going through a little bit of struggle and then they needed a centerman. So you know what? Don Granado did something very bold. And right now, it probably is going to go down as one of the greatest things that Don Granado has done to date is put Tage Thompson in a position to succeed at a position where he, t- he, he has not played it in, in a number of years. Yeah, it, You know what? It could go down as uh, almost as great a move as moving Wendell Clark from D to forward. Right. I'm serious. <laughs> like, and and I still think Tage has room to grow in that area. I will say that you know face offs and such and 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 all that. But but that's fine. I mean, if you think about it, he is he is, and I this is he is he's way better than Jack Eichel ever was for this team. I'm sorry to say that. Oh, they're they're not even they're not even on the same stratosphere. It is it is unbelievable how, and I think Jack, I think him having years of watching Jack Eichel dominate games yeah which jack can do we know that yeah i think that helped tage i think tage learned and watched how stars dominate through jack eichel he's he got to he had a front row seat and also probably knew i have that kind of ability i just need a chance and he's making the most of that chance and i see I see a lot of different players in Tage Thompson. I, I don't see his father. No disrespect, Brent. You're a hell of a player. We were talking about him not long ago. Tough as nails. Uh, complete fucking nut job in the American League, by the way. So I don't see his father. But I, I do see Jack Eichel. Some Jack Eichel in there. 
from the one-time spot on the power play, you know, from some I think of the, he's been way better than yeah, Jack Eichel because same. the problem the problem with the power play that we had before with Jack Eichel and Jack Eichel's a world-class talent. I mean, he is world-class talent. The difference was the entire power play was all Jack Eichel on the one side. It was very easy and predictable to play against. The power play that is now, I mean, it is worked from both sides. It's worked from Dylan Cousins' side, and it's also worked on a one-timer, um, Tage Thompson's side. And you also have um, a defenseman that is willing to shoot the puck from Ras- uh, Rasmus Dahlin from the point, which you have a net front presence in six foot, you know, four Alex Tuck, who's extremely great hands, and and Jeff Skinner is is a hunter. He's just a hunter, tipper. You know, he's always around the net just like a honey badger and it's working right now because there are options from all over the ice where before i mean it was just like jack eichel on the one side and it was very easy and predictable to play against so i love i love what i see out of out of this this team and and what they have moving forward but we i'm glad we brought that up though about granado today because it's something that I have patiently waited, and I've been saying, "Shit, man! Like, we got to talk about this." And I, I, but I don't want to go and say I'm wrong. So you're starting, and all of a you're starting they lose another, to believe. They're starting. All of a sudden, they lose another nine games. I, but even I, if they did win a nine games, do you believe? Nine, do that? you believe in what Don Granato's doing right now with what he's dealing? He's dealing with one of the youngest teams in the league. Are you happy with what you're seeing? Well, I listen, there's another there's another layer to his coaching. I think Don Granato, as much as we're gonna sit there and say, Well, he's he's a rookie coach. No, he's not. He is absolutely not a rookie head coach. coach. You can call it a head coach, you can call r- rookie head coach. He is coached at every well, single a, level. I, it was a it was a fact. I don't know why you're you're harping on that. Like you're, because you're the one who's uh, taking a big shit ball on Don Granato because you still God, don't what's him. wrong with wanting someone to prove themselves? Like fuck, what are you, has what are he you not proved himself? That's my whole point. He can't just have this guy step in and assume it's going to work right away. You just can't. You can't guarantee that. Now I said there was another layer to all of this, mm-hmm. and that is, and it might be an easy transition. Maybe it's slowly happening now with Labushkin and Alex Tuck and someone, but eventually you're going to have to rub off on some veterans that Kevin Adams brings in here. Well, I was going to bail and then I was doing my driveway, listening to you two dummies from yesterday and ripping (laughs) Gio how he screwed you guys. So I'm like, God, they're going to rip me too. I better jump on. So is this guilt? A little bit. There's a lot of guilt going on. (laughs) Petey and I, uh, I, I I'm trying to, we're, we're talking about Don Granato, not necessarily talking just about the Sabres and, and their big win last night against Vegas. It's more about, I I'm waiting. Craig's not going to do this justice, Thomas, but I'll let him try. See, this okay. is what PD does. He tries to <laughs> deflect. Okay. I'm not deflecting. I I've only ever come on here today. Just go ahead Thomas and tell him basically what you... stating that I might've been wrong assuming that Don Granado was not the right guy or, or maybe that I never thought that he wasn't the right guy, but just that 
you know, I, I was, I wish I wasn't sure. Cause it just ha- didn't work with Kruger. Didn't work with Housley. Didn't work with Bilesma and I'm didn't work. So with- are you sure now? I guess that's what I'm trying no, to get. No, We've been no, talking I'm, for 40 minutes and I'm, you're still like you talking. Well, that's, I don't even you know understand. What, if I was, if I was, everybody who's alone, listening to this podcast still doesn't understand where you sit with Don Granada. <laughs> hey Thomas. And one thing I will, I will, I will make clear is that anyone listening to this show in particular today will say that Craig is very disruptive to a thought. That's all I'll say about that. Right, he so, sits so where, there where, and where, talks where's in TD, circles. Where's TD standing just, at with? Thank you. Just, just state it. Yeah, where you talking circles all the time. Are you judging him of last year or just this year or the whole stint combined? Where, 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 well, where I think your... this this year, this year, this yeah. was this is the year that really mattered. This was the year where he had to prove himself, and this was also a year, much like as Craig mentioned at the start, we were talking Tage Thompson and stuff. That I thought maybe it might have been premature to sign him to that contract extension. He had one more year. Let it play out. See how the team does. See what coaches are out there at the end of the year. At the start of the year, I was very optimistic. They had the eight eight game stretch, and they have snapped right out of it. And I feel I feel like right now he has. After watching the game last night, I feel like he has the team definitely going in the right direction. Hundred percent. I think he's done an, an awesome job, especially with with the group of players he has. And I think, I think, you know, you can't always judge a coach. You got to judge him by the team he's coaching. And I think the one thing he's done is, is his top guys are legit top guys and that's credit to him. And now I think uh, it took him a little while, but you know, he put that kid line together that we mentioned before and they've really taken off. So I think, uh, you, you know, I mean, you're only as good as a coach as, as, as good of goaltending you get. I mean, you look at the last two wins of the Sabres, you know, that they play really well. I think they did. But again, what was the key? I think the UPL played really, really good against Colorado and last night. I mean, what did he have? Both games, 40-some saves. Yeah. So well, that you makes the coach looks pretty good. Just like Penalty Miller shot, made Lindy look good for a long time, right? And us. Van, all, all, I'm, all I was saying was I can't feel wrong for having an unproven head coach step in and take over a team that is absolutely terrible i mean why is there no why is there no room for skepticism i don't under i don't understand that standpoint there's always room but you know see see, this is where what i hate about not just sports you know i think it just happened to uh the indianapolis colts you know that they hired jeff saturday do you guys know who he is yeah he's a long time right no coaching experience blah 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 and they hire him and some people love it some rip him i personally love it it's just like a martin st louis hire what i you can't be proven until you're given a job and see what you can do. I mean, we always talk about, oh, Joel Quenville and this because he's got the Stanley Cups and this. But 20-some years ago, Joel Quenville was a first-time coach as well. So so you got to – I don't mind a outside-of-the-box hire by by Granado. I think he relates really well with these young kids, and uh, I think he's doing a great job. But when when we're talking about you know a rookie head coach, that's Martin St. Louis. Martin, Martin, Martin yeah. St. Louis was coaching Minor Bantam. Okay. Right. Minor Bantam in, in Connecticut mm-hmm. with zero, and I mean zero coaching experience above basically a Bantam age level hockey. And now all of a sudden you're just going to throw him into the Montreal Canadiens. Okay. And we're going to see what he can do now. I don't if you would ask anybody... me a year and a half ago, Hey, we're going to get Marty St. Louis from the, wherever he was coaching uh Bantam team or Don Granado. I would have said Marty St. Louis. 
and 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 that's where that's where this is where I have a problem with your thinking because and I listen, it's your thoughts, Petey. I know you're going to come back and say this is just my thought. No, uh, you're you're saying Don Granado has no experience. Well, he's coached in every league. He's coached in the USHL. He's coached in the East Coast Hockey League, the American Hockey League. He's coached in uh, the uh, National Development Program. He was he's coached D one um, for Wisconsin. He's been an assistant coach in multiple teams in the NHL, St. Louis, Chicago, and now the state. Like, what more do you want? The right. guy knows how to coach. And and for me, I liked what he did in the most disastrous time in probably Sabres history where they were losing 18 games in a row. And this man has to come in and literally try and galvanize a group that is so torn to pieces. And he did it. He did it. He slowly worked with the Dolines, Yoki Haryus, you know, uh, middle stats, Thompson's gave them confidence, gave them more playing time, finished a disastrous season. Then you're into the next season. He put guys in places to succeed. He, he made a bold move, which I, no one, no one talks about. He made a very bold move in putting cage Thompson at center. Okay. And that is taken off and flourished. And he's dealing with one of, uh, he's dealing with a transition team that was one of the worst teams in the league. That's now working with extremely young players. Like he is yet to play with a veteran laden hockey team where he doesn't have to go and worry about them mentally all the time. Because like, do you think, do you think, um, you know, Montgomery, you know, coaching in Boston right now, like, no, and that's, they're, but that's a question. Players. Thomas, that's something I said to to Craig. I said, you know, I said right now, I said I I am liking what I'm seeing from Granado, and I said he doesn't owe me anything, but I am entitled right. to my opinion. Yes, yes. Correct. But then I but said, I, then I said, there's another layer to this. What he's doing now with all these young kids is great, but it's going to be interesting to see, and it might be a very an easy transition. It was the last thing I said to Craig before you hopped on here. I said it's going to be very interesting to see what happens. When Kevin Adams goes and, and makes some GM moves and brings in some veteran players that have been around the league, how they view that coach. Because new players, new veteran players might come in and be like, what the fuck? I'm not saying they will. I'm saying yeah. in, in history, in, it's happened in the past. I'm not saying that's going to happen here. See, and, and I don't think, I think you're completely wrong with that because I look at him on the bench and stuff and I, He's just calm all the time. Even earlier this year when they lost eight games in a row, like you listen to his interviews, he doesn't bury guys in the media like other coaches do. He's protecting them. He's protecting. That's the coach that I would want to play for. Like, go tell me, you know, don't throw me under the bus in the media. If you think I play like shit, pull me in your office and and help me. And I feel like, again, I don't know Donna Granado, but I feel like this is what he's doing. I mean, Skinner struggled for a while. I guarantee you he's showing him clips as this is how we need you to play. But yet, not throwing him under the bus, but but bringing him confidence. But you guys know, no, 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 no. Thomas, hold on, up. stop before you keep going. Yeah. Skinner listened to after the whistle. He heard Craig. Next thing you know, boom, shakalaka. He's on fire. But go ahead. Yeah, I mean that. That's yeah. Probably got pissed off and started playing a little harder. There you go. <laughs> but no, my my whole point is that he's not that old school guy. We need more out of him. We need more out of him. He sucked and he sucked and then. I think the way he communicates must be unbelievable. But at the end of the day, you need good players. You need good goaltending. And right now they're doing that. I mean, in my opinion, Tage Thompson at Christmas, he's the MVP of the NHL. 
So if you look at this team, what's crazy is I think Tage is the, the hard winner right now at Christmas. And I think Deline, who I've been hard on, but he has been unbelievable. I think he's the Norris winner. So you got two guys on this team who are legit candidate to win a major trophy. It's unbelievable. Absolutely crazy to me. Yeah. Like when's the last time there's two guys? I mean, I guess Edmonton and Dreisaitl, but they have been making the playoffs. But the last time where you had the top defenseman and an MVP and they don't make the playoffs. I'm not saying the Sabres won't make it. I think I'm a lot more confident now because of that second line scoring and and yeah. UPL is coming into his own. So I think Well, I think this road trip was a statement for the Sabres in the league, to be honest 100%. with you. Yeah. I, I think they should just stay on the on the road because I mean they've they've played exceptionally well on the road this year. That well, there's, we, there's we talked fans about in the, the building. Yeah. <laughs> Well, we talked about the Western swing when they went out to uh, Western Canada and hit uh, Calgary and Edmonton and Vancouver and won three games in a row and then kind of laid an egg in Seattle. But it was a very impressive trip. They played some really tough teams and and got the job done. And, you know, when you when you look at the wild card, you know, spot with with 30, you know, two games into the season, there's still 50 games to go. The Islanders sit in a wild card spot at 38 points. They've played 33 games. The, the Sabres right now sit with 32 games, so one less game and 34 points. They go win their next game before Christmas. They are two points out of a playoff spot. And where a month ago, one month ago, I looked up at Pittsburgh, the Islanders, Washington, Florida, Toronto, Montreal. I looked at all these teams and they were, I was just like, every one of these teams are better than Buffalo. Every one of these teams are better than Buffalo. I don't know how you can get into the playoff race. But you know, what's crazy is what you're saying. There's what, 50 games left. Is that right? 50. And how many, I, I know you guys touched on it yesterday. The Atlantic, you're not catching any of those three teams, right? So you're going for a wild card. So you've got 50 games left for pretty much, in my opinion, one spot. That's crazy. I mean, I, I feel like something that that's that to me. I, I don't know who, unless you think both wild cards are up for grabs. I think Pittsburgh is, they're going to, again, find Pittsburgh their way. Pittsburgh sits at 40 points. But to me, Pittsburgh is the team that's going to put six, seven wins together again and then be like, all of a sudden they go from four, six points away to eight or nine points or 10 points. I don't yeah. I don't see them struggling. I, the only thing is the Islanders. I just, that's a team that's, I guess I haven't watched them enough. I watched, I guess, a little bit the other day when they played Arizona and they lost, but. They were on that's fire the at team. the start, right, uh, Vanner. But their last ten games, they're three, five, and two. So they've they've really faltered in the last uh, month or so. And that's the thing: if you have a tough month, then I, and you know, it's not even a month because right now, half a month. Yeah, I mean, do you guys agree that we're battling for one spot? I yeah, think it's one spot. I think it's one spot. And you have how many teams? The Islanders, the Capitals, the Panthers. The Red Wings and Frodo Sabres in there. That's five teams in the next 50 games are battling. So one of those five teams gets hot. Those other four teams are chasing. All those teams are are potential playoff teams. I mean, Detroit is right there. I mean, Florida, yeah. who, who knows what Florida is going to do? 
Right, but, but all Adams, it takes is one team, one team to get hot. Yeah, and the other Kevin Adams is going to go home, and he's going to pour himself a bourbon or scotch or whatever he drinks. He's going to sit by his fireplace and look at his Christmas tree. And what is what is his thought? Like, what do you think that he's going to stand pat in what he has right now, or do you think that he might be a little bit? more aggressive and not selling the farm by any stretch, but there is a lot of collateral that, that this team has. Yeah. But right now, right now I feel, I feel, and I, this is not an indictment on, on the guys that are here because they're playing, as you would say, Craig, exceptionally well, but I feel like in the most important position, I feel like he's kind of stuck in goaltending. Because you're not going to be able to go and bring in that guy that can backstop your team down the stretch into the playoffs. Do you want to go and bring that guy in with what with with the standing of goaltending? So maybe a player, maybe two players to build, continue to build for but next there, year. There, I mean, there's not even a goaltender out there that you will go after right now, anyways. Or I, at least player. I can't. I can't think of anyone. I can't well, either. I, I well, guess Bennington it would be the only guy, and that's a no for me. We threw no. it out there. I don't think anybody right. wants to take a shot, the salary and everything. Six million dollars. I just, you know, you're not bringing in a guy like that. We've we've mentioned that before. You're yeah. not doing that. I think yeah. that's that's. But as you said, that's the only goalie option. I mean, goalie. I don't even look at. And we've touched on this before, right? Uh, about Kevin Adams. That was your question. Is he gonna, you know, do something? And only he knows that. And then inside of the organization, what they're gonna do. The way I feel like what they're doing, I think they're just gonna sit and play this out. That's, that's, that's the way, you know, that that's the feeling you get listening to them. But if it would be me or if I would have inside, I would be pushing, especially just what I mentioned seven minutes ago, you have an MVP and a Norris candidate. Why not add now? Why I would, I mean, I wouldn't wait, but then again, it's easy for me to say I wouldn't wait because I don't know what's out there. I don't know what is available, but there is. You know, you guys hear it. There are certain players available. Is he checking in on them? For sure. Every GM is checking in on him. He's not just not making phone calls, but only he knows if he's, you know, serious about it or is he just checking in just because that's his job to check in. But to answer your question, I hope he makes moves because as we've mentioned before, this team is a lot closer to yeah. winning than they are back to tearing it apart for the I, first I, time I, in a long time. I mean, they are really playing well right now. It's just, I, you know, Kevin Adams might deem the right move is to not panic and allow this entire group, which is very young, to play itself out. Panic about what? Uh, I think panic is, is the wrong word because you're all you're doing is improving your team. And as you're saying, that third line needs improvement. So that's not panicking. That's just reality. Yeah. And as far as your kid line, I actually disagree with that point. Or is there going to be nights where they struggle and can't score for sure? But I think those days of young players, you know, going up and down, I think they're over because you look at today's NHL, it's so wide open. Yeah. I mean, I mean, how many guys have points per game? There's, I don't know. I don't know the stat, but I guarantee you there's more this year than there's ever been. It's, it's, it's insane the amount of points some guys have. And you just go down the list. Well, the 50th player in the league, the 50th yeah. is Alex DeBrinkett. In 31 games, he has 30 points. 
Yeah, so that's a point per game. Yeah. That's crazy to me. So, again, it, it just shows you that every night, I think there's – it's just the game is so much more open. There's so many chances. So – you don't you don't see many of those games again where it's like grinding in the corners and wait for a power play. I think every shift you see something happening. It's crazy. So why wouldn't you keep that watch. line? Because you're you're talking about a middle stat who's extremely. I'm talking about skilled. the kid line. I think the third line you got because to win on a consistent basis you need that heavy line. I think I think your fourth line is good. Your third line still needs to score, and we have we have touched on this before the Tampa Bay's. I mean. That third line is what wins them cups. The top guys were the top guys, and they played great. But it's the Blake Coleman's. It's the the Goudreau and then Hagel, Paul, whoever always they always pick up. Those are the guys that score, you know, in big games because you need that, you know, top nine that we always There's talk about. There's none of that here. I don't think so, no. And, that, that, that's, and again, those players are tough to get, but at some point you got to make – identified like well, you all those guys about. were traded for first round picks tampa gave up a first for goudreau i think they gave up a first maybe not a first but one of them either coleman or goudreau when they were there they gave up a first rounder for them if i'm not mistaken both both i think yeah. were yeah i think coleman came from jersey on a first round pick yeah. i think goudreau came from san jose on a first hagel i think they gave away two even to chicago <laughs> yeah they did they so did. uh it's but again, it's it's that's the way it works, right? I mean, to get good players, you gotta give away. And then they're just gonna if they don't do that, they're just gonna keep drafting themselves to younger and younger. Like last year was a perfect example. There's no way I would have picked all three. I would have made a move. Yeah. I mean, even if all three pan out to be NHL guys in two years, well, Quinn is gonna be twenty two, Paterka is gonna be twenty two, and then you're gonna insert three more twenty year olds. Like what that that's that's my whole and I'm sure he looks at those players and they're just like first round picks, they're assets. So what is a move that would be realistic for you? And I'm gonna throw a name out there. You can tell me yes or no, and I'm gonna bring up two players. One player is Patrick Kane. Is this a player that you would feel comfortable going after? Hundred percent. I think I think he legitimizes your team. You get Patrick Kane. Guess what? Then, then to get the next stud, he'll be like, "Man, Patrick Kane's for the Sabers. They got Tage. I'm coming to join them." I think okay, that. So let me throw that, that out there. Legitimize them. Let me just throw one thing out there. Not giving anything up for Patrick Kane when I can get him in the off season for free. Correct. That's what I would do. I would That's not, not even a guy I would entertain trade. that at the trade deadline. I agree because with you. there's no. I would want him here for the whole year. I don't want him to come in late and then mess up the chemistry that's happening. I'd rather start him somewhere. He wouldn't mess up the chemistry, okay. but I, I sorry, Petey. No, I don't, no, no. I don't think if anything, he would, like I said, he would legitimize the Sabres, but I agree with you. I would never give anything up for him, but you know what? For him to actually be realistic about coming in the summer, you got to improve that team now with other players. And what I would do, I would look at the Vancouver Canucks and I know you guys are going to laugh because I bring this up all the time. And I love Bo Horvat, but they're trying to dump players. You, you, Rivs, you said uh, Horvat's not Are going they anywhere. dumping players to sign Bo Horvat, though? Like, they've talked about trading um, Brock Besser. If they, if they liked Bo Horvat that much, why did they sign JT Miller on an eight-year extension? Because that's that's one of their centermans. 
if they like him that much, I don't much, even know if he's signed. playing center this year. I think he's playing win. Uh, wing. I think, I think Pedersen is playing center and Horvat is playing yeah, center. Yeah, I think correct? if anything, so, they're saving money for Pedersen. That's 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 their guy. I, I think Horvat is not going to be a Vancouver Canuck. I've said that for a while. Wow. And and Besser, they're trying to dump Besser for anything right now. So if you're if you're signing Bo Horvat, let's just say say hypothetically, there's a monster trade. We give up multiple prospects, you know, because yeah. we have like, you know, you know the the Rosen who is a first round draft pick. You have um, Coolidge, you have Oslin, you have uh, the the Savoy from from Vancouver. I mean, there there's lots that we can provide in a trade that can get it done. Okay. Correct. Who's your who who's your number two center? Who's your number one center? Who's your number three center? Doesn't matter. All three of them have to play. Yeah. I don't I don't care. I mean, Tage is staying on one. I put Horvat at two and the kid line's my third line. Or flip it away you want. All three yeah. of them have, are gonna play. I don't I don't I mean, is it who starts the game as the first line? I mean, it's like coaching high school, which I'm doing right now. These kids think whoever starts the game, that's the first line. It's like it, it's they don't they understand it, but they don't understand it. It's you know, I mean, it's nowadays you need you need nine guys to play, maybe twelve even. Though those days are over of of you know the PDs on the fourth line. Would you take Thatcher Demko in that deal? Hell I yeah! So. No, I mean they're not getting rid of him. He's a stud. They're yeah. not getting rid of him. I'll but tell you I, who I'll, I would, I'll tell you who I would like from there if we can have a, if we can. Go shopping in Vancouver. Yeah, I really let's, want let's that Ilya Makayev, man. I would take that guy in a fucking heartbeat. Well, he's, Heart, he's that guy. Loved, he's, I love him. In he Toronto. would be a monster third liner. Oh my god, monster so third liner. You need another okay. Russian. You got one. You need one more. Russians are the friggin' the best when there's duos. Who's this? Boston Park. Oh, so here we got a monster trade here. Now we just need. Elliot Friedman to uh, listen to this so he can put it out there for us and then we got it going. We're trading for Mikhaev, Horvat, and Besser. We got a whole line right there. We're trading for all three of them. I'll I'll leave Besser and we're out giving of it. Him, I'll leave Besser out of it. I'll take Horvat and Mikhaev. And I'm taking Besser. I'm getting oh, yeah. two prospects and two first rounders. Boom. For who? Middle stat? Olafson. Because you, know you got to clear give out Matt money. Savoy. They're going to want Matt Savoy. He's a Western boy. Yeah, give him Savoy. You got to give Middlestad because he's a young player that's, that they would want, and he's a good player. And you have to put Olsen in a deal because you got to get cap space back. You can't just bring money in. You can, money's got to go out. And yeah, whoever else, throw in whoever else you want. I don't care. Yeah. But that's the, yeah. the, that's that's a whole line. How I mean, you, you put Besser, Mikhaev, and and then go and get Joel Edmondson from Montreal. And now all of a sudden you are playoff ready. Well, that not only playoff ready, but then it come to summertime. Now you go to Patrick Kane and be like, hey, you want to play for four more years at home? We got something. We, we, we can win the cup. We just need some more presence. But you got those guys. You got, you know, you got a Horvat. You got a Mikhaev. To add to what you have already, he's going to be like, man, this team, yes, I, I can see I'm coming. What a line that would be. Kane, Horvat, and Mikheyev. <laughs> God, we're good. We're good. Our cap is now $110 <laughs> million, though. 
That is good. That's all right. A couple of guys can go on the IR for four weeks at a time. Get a break. <laughs> yeah, that's a good uh, and then we'll have shirts made 25 million over the cap. <laughs> God, we just solved it. Well, 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 well I mean, how much off. cap space do they have? Well, you're going to have, well, you're, you, you'll lose Oposo at the end of the year. You got to get rid of Victor Olofsson. You got to get rid of Casey Middlestad. No, just right now, with their roster, what are they at? As it stands right now, like twenty five million, I think sixteen million in projected cap space. Yeah, and then you got you said, and then Kyle's coming off, and and that's a guy you want want back. But I think Kyle is realistic, where he knows six, six and a half, whatever he's on right now, that number is going to drop by a lot. Oh, well, he'll become one of those eight hundred thousand dollar veteran players with you know, yeah, a million bucks, million bucks, be the captain, be like Spezza leader. was doing, right? Exactly. So that that frees up five million right there. So and then Olafson's yeah. another five million. And there's just a lot of money, two and a half million. So that's uh, that's that's eleven. That's twelve and a half million right there. It's a lot of money that's going to be that's going to be spent in the next number of years. Darlene needs a new contract. You have okay, to get but, Owen but Power is, signed. Darlene is making what right now? Six. Six. For another so, year. I mean, it, it's not like you're adding, if you're giving them nine, nine and a half, it's not like you're adding nine and a half. You're adding three and a half. Yeah. You know, it's the rookie contracts that really jump. Those guys on bridge deals, they jump, but they don't jump at a number where you're like, you know, it's it's not, you're not jumping nine and a half. You're jumping no, it, three and a half. It would be a half. dream come true if Darlene would be able to come in at nine million, but I don't think that's going to happen. You know, I mean, that would be a, that would be, a cap friendly deal and my yeah, opinion. I mean it's I think it's a now that's, yeah, a that, that's over. I think that's with a Norris guy, you're talking 10 minimum. But at the same time you can't hit on everyone. He hit on Tage, right? If Tage is um <laughs> if Tage has the season he's having, seven is not the number. Now you're talking ten and a half, eleven on him. So you saved yourself yeah. three and a half, four million bucks on one player. Yeah. Yeah. Rob from Tage to pay Darlene. Well, just even <laughs> even even when you're crunching small numbers, like you know, Zemgus Gergens makes two and two and two point two and Tyson Jost is two and Vinny Hinestros is uh one seven. Like these you know, those contracts, you can't have those guys making two point two. They ha- they have to you gotta be making eight hundred, a million. Exactly. But those are all on one-year deals, correct? Yep. Or is any of them long-term? No. Gergensen's a UFA. Be interesting to see what happens with him at the end of the year, too. You know, Uh, he's a guy I'd like to have back, obviously. Well, he's he's a guy I would love to have back because he's a good player. He's been there forever, and he's been through so much shit. Mm -hmm. That's a guy you give a million bucks and you keep around. But your Hennis Roses and stuff, you let them go, and, and you move on. That's that's a simple one, but the, the Ocposo and the Gergensen, you keep them because they're they're culture guys for you. Yeah, yeah. Unless unless again, unless a guy like Gergensen goes to UFA and someone gives him two two point two, and you think that's that's a number that you don't want to spend. Well, I know he line. lives in Pittsburgh in the off season, so I mean, I think he would he would if that was if that ever became available to him, I'm, I'm sure that would be something he considered. As much as, you know, at what point in time does he want to change? You know, as much as, you know, he's right really, now. <laughs> really seeing the light, yeah, with, with this team. But 
do you not think it, it it was exciting when you moved from one organization that you've been with for so long and moved to another one? It, it was just it, it almost revitalized. Like your your energy was going to the rink. Everything it felt uncomfortable, and when you're uncomfortable, that's when you're growing. You're continuing to grow, right? Um, I just I I question you know what what he is going to want to do moving forward. That then ain't gonna make or break who you're trading for. Yeah. So it really that that's a it's a choice up to him. He's a UFA, right? And that's that's a conversation you have in July. Did you guys hear this Tage Thompson rumor from two years ago that he was available for a fifth? Yes, and there's a team that and no one took him. Is that when he was hurt? He was probably out for the whole year with the injury, right? A fifth rounder, really? Is that true? <laughs> it's well, get him on and ask him. Probably. I mean, what did he do two years ago? Eight, he had goals? eight goals. Yeah, that's that sounds right, right? Eight goals for a fifth rounder. A team, Funny. a team passed on. Like, so I don't understand. So someone offered a fifth for no, the Sabres, the Sabres the, said a we good, want a fifth there's for a tape. good team but what Elliot said there's a good really good team in NHL that was looking at Tage and the Sabres wanted a fifth round pick and they said no the price is too high <laughs> I don't know I I mean that's awesome are you guys did you guys uh are you guys trading Skinner though I know you guys talked about it yesterday I don't know. Craig, Craig said, did Craig see, this is when Craig flip-flops, eh, man? I know. Yesterday I said, I never I would, got an I'm, answer. I'm, I, I, I said, I'm answer. not trading Skinner right now. And then Craig's like, well, when would you trade him when he's not playing well? So it's just like, he's <laughs> alluding to him trading him. But then when you listen to today's episode uh, tomorrow or whenever you get a chance, you're going to hear Craig say, I'm not trading Jeff Skinner right now. He's too good. I mean, it's like, and I didn't want to, I didn't yeah. want to say to him. Well, yesterday I would, trade, said, him. I would trade him for sure. <laughs> yeah, me too. I got a trade. trade. Sure. I, I already have a trade. If I have him, a taker, right? five or, or fifty five minutes ago, Craig might have said he's not. He's he's very hard to move right now on from Jeff Skinner because he's playing so well. He I'm is playing well. He's playing. He's playing exceptionally well, exceptionally well. But yeah. if you have an opportunity to move that that contract, you're going to move it. Yes, I really it, it's it's absolutely. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what he's doing or or the success that the team is having. With Jeff Skinner, if you have a chance, how many to more years him, does he have? Four, four after this year. Oof. And and the problem that you're going to get in is to you're going to get into issues in like two years from now. Yeah, the salary. Yeah, but I I'm, you're going to lose a player him to Arizona, and you got to put in a top prospect, a first rounder, a third rounder. Are you and picking up half his salary? That's the max you can pick up. Are you going to no, pay? No, I'm not half? paying half. No, no, not so if you're I gonna do the first. Gonna do what Detroit did, kind of like they're going to give up Jacob Chikrin to Arizona to take that Sukes deal. The only difference is that was a one year deal. So yeah, yeah no, no, no. You're going to have I, to give. So what are I, you I don't getting want, back in that I, deal? I don't, want, I don't want Chikrin. I want Kraus. Well, no, I, yeah, I'm just saying, I, yeah, I, I agree with you, but they're not giving so, up Lawson Kraus. Yeah. Why not? They're that, getting that team, Jeff Skinner. That, that, that te- they're getting Jeff Skinner, and that team, they don't want to win. They don't want to win. They want to win in four years when they got their new building. And Austin Matthews. And Austin Matthews. 
he and did a meantime, he did an interview want... with uh he did an interview with uh Kobe Armstrong and um he basically said something along the line you know he said you know about the new contract you're going to be a leaf and he said i think he said time will tell you know yeah what else just, is he going to yeah, say yeah the the <laughs> typical he gave a great little you know answer and you uh, Leafs yeah, don't, don't win know. this year, man. Yeah, that's um, that team is awesome. They're playing good. You guys all wanted to fire you and Jr. All wanted to get rid of Sheldon Keith or Duncan Keith or whatever the coach's name is. Yeah, but that's because we're never. We can never be wrong here. I mean, and and if we are wrong, it makes for great conversations like today. I was wrong See? about Don Granado, but guess what? Made for a great hour. That <laughs> is. So you are saying that you're wrong about Don Granado. You now are you're a believer. Are you just, did you just fucking get here? Did you just you still get here? Haven't, you still haven't said it. I want to hear you say it. I believe in Don Granado. He doesn't though. He's not convinced I, yet. I, I, I Who would you like? Who would you? Is there somebody out there? Just like we we talk about. I players? want. I want to see. I want to see what happens when Kevin Adam. Now it's like it. it yeah. I want to see when they bring in all these veteran yes. players. They're not bringing yeah. in veteran players. That's the whole wow. point. Kevin Adams a good job not with the young go guys in. so far. He's done a good job for the young guys so far. How's that? What about the old guys? Who are the old guys? There is no old guys. Kurgenson, no old guys. The, well, Alex Tuck. Kurgenson's being Kurgenson. Tuck's not an old guy. He just has, he, has years, he has years under his belt, it's but he's 25. not an old guy. <laughs> yeah. Well, in today's NHL, it is. Yeah, twenty five is, right. is like an older yeah. statesman. Twenty five is like Elder thirty. Statesman. Is like thirty about fifteen years yeah. ago. Yeah, correct. Because all these guys come in at nineteen, so they got five years in the league. Whereas in our generation, guys were just getting their shot at twenty five. Yeah, twenty four, twenty five. Yeah, it's a bit but, different. Well, all right, I gotta go shopping. That's a wrap on another episode of After the Whistle. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter After the Whistle. And at Craig Rivet 52 at the instigator 76. And you can find us as you already know on Apple, Spotify and YouTube and anywhere else where you can get your podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Don't forget to spread the word.